Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm here in the studio with Bryn Starnes and Chris Legg. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Good to see you. We're continuing our Q&A. We've had a couple little breaks, right? Yes, we have. So we did a Q&A, and then, then we, we had the... Is that when the ladies came in yeah. and had a conversation? Then, did you want to say anything Oh, yeah. There was, there was one comment, which, by the way, thanks, guys. That was great. Yes. Yeah, that was, um, that was really fun. Carly. Kim and Mary Lee. Kim exactly. and Mary Lee. I think yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's who it was. Um, and just getting their perspective. I don't I don't know their ages. They're, they're millennials slash Gen Z-ish. Mm-hmm. And so... I know a lot of them are friends have friends who have wrestled through this deconstruction. And I think probably even some of their questions inspired this podcast in some ways, like mm-hmm. the fact that they were so concerned about their, about friends who are wrestling and, right. And, uh, and so to be able to come at it from a different perspective, there was, there was one thing that came up a few times that I wanted to comment on. It was the idea. And I don't remember who said it first, maybe Mary Lee, who, but who threw out that there was a time in her life when she was, and I'm paraphrasing here, kind of surrounded by non-believers, surrounded by, and and I think it was kind of a missional context, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was almost uh, a charge. Yeah. And so then she said, the way she, she was said was, and again, given her experience, this makes sense, everybody ought to try to find a time when they can be surrounded by non-believers like that for, for an extended period. And And as I listened to it, I thought, okay, that's a good general advice for someone who's like Mary Lee, mm-hmm. well-established, well-anchored, mm-hmm. um, well-disciplined in her life. And I feel confident she's not here. At the time, I wanted to ask, like in the room, I wanted to go, so what was your what were your relationships with Christian friends and the church and discipleship like during that time? Right. And so I think, I think the way we ought to think about that is, it, we're as human beings, we're so flawed, like sheep, the Bible says, we just wander off because we're, we're kind of dumb that way. And, and so, you know, like the old school, you guys remember the, I don't know if y'all ever did this. I'm so old, but the, uh, sitting around the campfire and having somebody take a coal out of the campfire and walk away and show how, when it gets away from the fire, it cools off and it loses its light and it loses its heat. And mm. okay. Anyway, that's no, I mean, that's a cool word picture though. Yeah. I and mean, so it, it was done every year at camp okay. um, when I was growing <laughs> up again and again and again, like, yes, we get it. Um, and then we'd all hold hands and say, it only takes a spot. <laughs> you already, re- oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's amazing how bad, bad camp could be. Um, yeah. But, but that picture was, is a, there's still something accurate right. to, um, like when Jesus sits with tax collectors and prostitutes and others, but he also is disciplined to spend time alone with the Father, to spend time with his family who are strong in their faith, to spend time with his friends. And so what I would add to that is if you're someone who is going to be on a missional relationships, whether it's in college, whether it's with groups of friends, whether it's whatever, that's not in competition with also sticking with your spiritual disciplines, with having good friends who are believers, with being involved in a local church and all mm-hmm. that. And I suspect if I had been there and I'd asked Mary Lee that question, she would have said, oh, that's that's true. I did have this. Yeah. It's yeah. just that, of course, we as Christians have no problem surrounding ourselves, being surrounded by people who don't agree with us. In fact, that should be a fairly normal experience. It's hard when you work in a church. Yeah. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but 
but that we intentionally have friends who one, it just, it enriches your life a little bit to be around people, with different perspectives and to learn from them and, and to love people like that. Also, it's part of our calling to reach out to people. So don't hear me disagreeing with what Mary Lee said. I'm just adding a little, I don't know, color commentary to it. Yeah. And that came up a few times during that podcast of, yeah, this was a time that is a good idea. This is a, and every time I wanted to say, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. this, okay. Um, Cause we all know examples of people who have said, um, I'm not going to practice prayer for a month, or I'm going to walk away from the church for two years and see just what happens. And, yeah, just to test it. And, and the problem is the Bible already tells you in advance, we are like sheep. And if, if, if we don't stay by the shepherd, we're going to become dumber and dumber as we wander off. Yeah. When we're around the shepherd, we feel smart. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we're by the shepherd. It's not because we got any smarter. Yeah. We're still sheep. Um, sheep just seem to be doing well when they're by the shepherd yeah, yeah, yeah. and they don't do well when they're off on their own. Yeah. Um, I think in certain areas of life, it's also, or rather certain areas of the country, I think it is difficult for some believers to, to even know non-believers unless it's intentionally. Right. And so I think that's a side of it too. She was saying, if, if you're only surrounded by believers, we're not, mm-hmm. we are called to go out and, yep. And do life with people who aren't just like us. And and so that's like a part of it too. Yes, you right. may be in a place in life where your challenge is not to find other believers to be your community, but yep. to find people in your sphere that actually disagree with you on some level <laughs> yes. and that you can minister to. Because I think mm. depending on what part of the country you live in and what your sphere looks like, sometimes that is a real challenge for people and it yep. needs to be, right. you know, like right. that's the other side of that too of... And it's, it's kind of cool as for us as Christians, it should be that it's it's not just that we see them as like my next mark, you know, right, next, right. I get bonus right. points in heaven for converting them. My target. Like, exactly. Yeah. And that's, they're not my project, um, though, because we love them, we want them to know Christ and, and have that security forever and that peace yeah. forever. But also uh, we believe they are truly valuable because they're created in the image of God and are worthy of time and energy, even if they were never to convert. Like that's not... It's not, well, it's only worth it if they're going to convert. It's like, no, it's, they're still creating the image of God. They're still right. valuable and precious and right. treasure. Um, we have a we have a guy right now who's been coming to um, the uh, monthly poker games that I do who's not a Christian. In fact, and, and some of the guys know it and some of the guys don't know it. He's just been broad and he's he's great to have there. Um, and uh, and it's funny to watch him. I've, he and I tease now about it because at first it, he was so awkward and uncomfortable with us and now he knows us and all this, but... Uh, you know, every once in a while, we, we're pretty, our language is pretty clean. There's a couple of guys who, you know, they, they every once in a while struggle <laughs> with, uh, you know, losing a hand. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, when he get, when he struggles, like he drops some language that is not common at the poker games at the pastor's house. And, <laughs> and uh, he tries to clean it up and it's fun to watch him like, sorry, like he tries to clean it up a little bit. But the other day he said something and everyone teases each other. Like it's a common thing. It's guys, right? Yeah. And so he said something that was kind of mean or sarcastic. And one of the guys was like, well, that's not very Christian of you to say that. And the, and the guy goes, <laughs> well, that's not a problem for me. So anyway, it was a, <laughs> but, but like having him there, it's, it's not like, okay, he's our project. It is, no, he's created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. He's a precious like creation and a treasure of God's. And we believe that. Therefore, of course, we're going to welcome him and be hospitable to him and it's not right. so that we can convert him, although we would love for him to be converted because we believe it's the best life possible. Right. Um, anyway, I don't, I just kind of yeah. got off on a tangent there, but you know, we don't want it to be, 
we, we need to find some non-Christian people just so you can convert them. I would yeah. see why that would, might feel con- offensive to them. Right. Mm-hmm. If I had people who were trying to be my friends who are different religions. Or like religion. an ulterior motive. Yeah, it in feels their, like in, that in somehow. their idea of like, well, you're just trying to sell me something. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. As if we get, you know, that's how I get paid by the church right, is how right. many people I bring. <laughs> anyway, that's a, yeah. not not true, by the way. Um but that's our tendency that's good, with all of life yeah, is yeah. to surround ourselves with people who are like us on some sphere, whether it's our hobbies or uh-huh. whatever. And it, you know, yeah. I mean, yes, so much more true when it comes to um, things of faith. But it's like, yeah, that's important. But at the same time, like you're saying, it's really healthy to be around people who disagree with right. you and do things differently than you and think mm-hmm. differently than you. On a well, lot especially of these days when it's like when you're around, I don't know, it's easy not only to surround yourself in person, but also with algorithms and the oh, echo chamber yeah. of social media. You can really feel like, oh, well, this is what everybody thinks and everybody believes because of everything that I'm interacting with. I'm uh, hearing the ag- agreement. Yeah. yeah. So right. okay, that's great. And Chris, last week, right, we got with you. You were camping uh, and talked about pastors falling. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, and that's so, a that's a I feel like that's another one. And we talked about that, that that's another reason people deconstruct sometimes is yeah, definitely. Um, is they see that. And I think that plays into even this season with the, is the Bible uh, immoral by today's standards? Mm-hmm. Is that, and, and maybe it doesn't directly connect, but it certainly is, well, are the people who represent the Bible immoral by today's standards? And the answer is some of them are. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. and sometimes they fall. And like we talked about, some fall for sexual sin or or. Financial sin, I'm sure, is, I don't hear about that as much nowadays, yeah. but um, being con artist was a more common, and they're still out there. I mean, it's amazing to me how often these televangelists can fall, get busted, even sometimes get arrested to go to prison, and they come out of prison, and they start their con right back up, and people start following them again. Like, <laughs> what, what? Anyway, yeah. so uh, I, that boggles my mind. But I think that's a, um, I think that's an issue. But mm-hmm. what we're seeing more often right now are just pastors who have bad boundaries, mm-hmm. really self-absorbed, no friendships, kind of like we talked about. And um, yeah. man, that's a that's a real challenge. And I can see why someone would look around and go, yeah, see, yeah. there we go again. And is this typical or not typical, but like more popular right now in evangelical churches? Like, would you, would you even make the distinction of like, I don't I just, know. I just feel like I, what I hear, and maybe it's just because that's, the world that I'm in, but I hear about pastors falling or have heard about mm-hmm. them and they're all in kind of evangelical traditions. I and suspect that has more to do with the news newsworthiness. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what makes it newsworthy when one of these mega past mega church pastors fall is the fact that they were a mega church pastor. Yeah. 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 And so if they were the mega church, uh, if, if there's not a lot of mega churches that aren't, either non-denominational or evangelical. Yeah. And I think that's why. I think that makes sense. if you had a mega church Catholic pastor fall, you would, you would hear, you would about, hear it. about it. If I mean, Which, you're talking I about mean, churches. When the, that, all the scandals with the Catholic priest came out, it was. They continued to. And so when you're talking about big numbers, yeah. so when a pastor falls and he's got 200 members, it's not. It's not that that's not significant. It is from the gospel's perspective. But, but from, from the church, a but from, from newsworthiness, from a newsworthiness, we're probably not going to hear about that. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes a lot I of sense. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So when you've got fifty thousand people in your church network, and then you that whole church network collapses because it was all dependent upon your personality, and it turns out your personality is big shock, deeply flawed. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and people had built their faith in you. 
Yeah. Um, they were they were constructing a faith in a person, which will get, get ready for that to fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually found a fascinating, I can't find it now. I was looking for it a second ago, but I found a fascinating, like a thousand years ago or maybe 2000 years ago, early church fathers had made a dictate that said the value of the gospel of a given teaching or sermon has no relevance to the person who delivers it. Meaning mm-hmm. it is true or it's not true. And it, it in no way is founded on the person teaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were applying that even like to the apostle Paul or the apostle John, like wow. what Paul being Paul, what that, what Paul taught is true has very little to do with Paul. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the spirit. Inspired. That's why it's so important that the Bible is inspired. Yeah. Because if we're depending on Paul, well, I think Paul would warn you off that. Yeah. Don't do that. So that anyway, I mean, that's it, another he, great example. I mean, he even talks about he's the chief of sinners, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. like okay, who's well, going to save me? That's so, great. So those, yep. those are that's kind of catches us up to now. We're just stepping back in into a few other um, of the questions that we've gotten. So can I just jump into the first one? Let's do it. Yeah, All right. Cool. So it says, if God is real, why does He allow people like pastors to commit suicide? That one doesn't feel super hypothetical to me. No. Yeah. Now that I don't obviously I don't know who who that is, but that mm-hmm. feels very personal. Right. Um because mm-hmm. it's so narrow. I don't know. What do you what well, I have some thoughts, but what are y'all's thoughts? What are we Well, and I think the question applies. It is a narrow question, but I think it applies to anyone who like why does God allow anyone who's a believer mm. and whether or not they have influence obviously mm-hmm. doesn't determine their worth, but like any person who's a believer and is impacting other people, like why would he allow them? I think it could easily be expanded to that mm-hmm. um, to commit suicide. But yeah, that feels very specific and is a really, mm-hmm. um, really personal. Emo- I mean, emotional question, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? When it comes to yeah. why would God allow that? But I mean, I, I, th- I think of it too, similarly with, why do pastors, you know, commit adultery? Right. Why, why would why God they, allow them to commit adultery? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. why know, would abuse allow... their spouse? You know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And it's like, I mean, just because you are a follower of Jesus and you are in church leadership does not make you immune to temptation and, or, you know, susceptibility to depression and mm-hmm. anxiety and to, right. and it, the same thing applies in this when we, you know, when we talk about, you know, adultery and stuff like that. In my opinion, if you, you know, you can isolate yourself, you can believe lies. Right. And, you know, if you reach that point in despair and weariness, right. I mean, I don't, even if you know the truth, what we've seen over and over is like you were just saying, Chris, right. we are, we are like sheep. Yeah. And if we, even if we are in a, a position of leadership, but we are not staying close to the shepherd, of course we can veer off. Um, and lose sight of the truth. And so I don't know. And like we've said over and over again, we're just because someone's in a place of leadership or influence doesn't mean that, that they're not broken in multiple ways. Meaning like, you know, even like, like you're saying, struggling with mental, um, mental illness and, and all of those things, just because someone is in a place of authority doesn't somehow exempt them from that. Right. As hard as it is. And it may impact that much, that many more people, um, if something like suicide happens, mm-hmm. but, but it doesn't exempt, um, anyone in leadership from struggling with, I mean, I, 
this is probably a side question, but I feel like the argument could be made that the more influence and the more pressure someone has from a standpoint of like impacting others, I feel like their mental health could struggle even more because Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. That position that they're in or the pressure that they're under. And the enemies. I don't, I don't even know the word for it, but like if you, if you are declaring war against your enemy, right. I feel like the enemy will be even stronger to, yeah. The zeal of the enemy to fight you is going to be special rather than just like, well, I'm kind of apathetic to this fight. It's like, okay, well there's, if we're, if I'm going to be, you know, getting rid of effort and, you know, as an enemy, Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to fight harder against somebody who's fighting harder against me. Yep. Yeah, that's so, true too. And I think there's like, we've talked about with, um, other temptations, I think with mental illness, I think it's one of those things that a lot of times people in leadership and specifically Christian pastors feel like they can't be honest about what's yes. going on in their lives. Yeah, And so it seems likely that this would affect pastors because there is, I'm, and we've tried to talk about how it's, and healthy and leads to all kinds of things. But if there's a stigma of I have to have everything together because I'm right. in a place of leadership. Right. Therefore, when I struggle like every other believer mm-hmm. and human, right. I somehow have to be different and I can't show weakness or I yeah. can't show brokenness. Then it does isolate them to the stand, the, the point of, um, of unhealth or even like something as terrible as suicide, well, I think. Right. Well, the, and then the other thing is you even mentioned it, the advice that you had gotten as a young leader in the church was you can't be friends with your congregation. Yes, right. And so if you almost take that to the max, buy into this idea of like, well, I got to be lonely. Right. This is just what it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that can be pretty like oh, pretty is- wearying. Isolation you know, is one like, of yeah. the leading connected patterns to suicide. Is so, isolation. I don't know. Yeah. So... From that's kind of our perspective. Yeah, where does, I think. Where does I, well, like go? you guys are dead on with this. I I think. You know, and by the way, you can we can maybe put in the show notes. We have a couple of sermons on suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so one is one part of this question. Like, there's like three parts to it. And and one is the question: Why does God allow? And then fill in the blank. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Why does God allow sexual abuse of children? Why does God allow? You know, you pick the worst you can imagine, bone cancer. Like, why does God allow people to sin or people to commit suicide? Like, I think that's always a human question. And I think we have, we might even have to go back and look and see which episodes. But under the problem of suffering, Mm -hmm. under the problem of evil, um, that's a big part of this question. And why does God allow anything? Why does God allow anything that's yeah. suffering? I mean, we've that we talked don't about like. that recently with genocide, yes, and murder, and all yep. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there is a little bit, sadly, there is a little bit of the what may be emotionally not that much comfort is we don't know why God allows things at the individual level. So case by case, we don't know why God allows certain things, and God doesn't explain case by case. We have big answers. God allows people a certain amount of freedom. God allows people a certain amount of autonomy. God allows people uh, to sin. And God allows people to face the consequences of their own sin. God allows people to face the consequences of other people's sin. Um, God allows people to face the consequences of being in a fallen and broken world. Like, all of those things are there. And sometimes God rescues people from those, and sometimes he doesn't. Um, And why he chooses which one in which case, we don't. We don't know. 
Um, it is a matter of trust that God knows what he's doing. Um, now, clearly he's got a better shot at it than any of the rest of us. Only God would have the hope of knowing what he was doing when it comes to this kind of suffering. And again, we've unpacked that, I think, in detail in another one of the podcasts yeah. or two. And I'd encourage you to go mm-hmm. back and look at and or even search the problem of suffering and what other people podcasts and, and we have said in regards to those, that's a, that's a big, um, if you, if you're, I mean, you know, more of an intellectual, you want a rational answer than Dr. Mm-hmm. Craig and reasonable faith and his stuff. He has some answers, really good answers, but again, he's going to acknowledge this may not make you feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, because the, the truth is God could easily have a compelling reason that would make it worth it, that God allows us to suffer. And then in big picture, it could be like taking a child to the dentist. So the suffering is immediate and doesn't make any sense to the child. Mm-hmm. And yet the parent knows in the big picture, this is what is best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you immediately you go like, okay, but how could it possibly be best for someone to commit suicide or for someone right. to be abused? And the answer would be, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're, and the Bible even teaches like at the end of Job, we're not going to know mm-hmm. or when, at least not on this side of eternity, or when Jesus talks about the tower at the pool of Siloam that fell and Jesus is like, you, you think those people are any more or less evil than anybody else? Mm-hmm. No, that's not how this works. There's not this A always leads to B leads to C leads to D when it comes to human suffering. And of course, the story of Job, which is just, I mean, it's a train wreck of yeah. a poem and a historical poem meant to show us that human suffering may make absolutely no sense to us. Mm-hmm. Job gets a target painted on him by God because he's righteous. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's one option everything else is an option. Yeah. yeah. And only God is the one who knows when and how to do that and the right way to do it. So the why does God allow question, that's mm-hmm. one. Now, if the question is why do pastors commit suicide? Um then that's some of the stuff we're talking about already is is there's just people some people just die of mental illness. Our brains are made badly. Mm-hmm. Um all of us to one degree or another, it's they're complicated and we assume result of the fall probably each generation is slight, their brains are slightly worse off. We don't seem to be evolving in the right direction, so to speak. I don't know exactly what to do with that, but you know, whatever it happens to be that people, some people just die of mental illness, whether it's schizophrenia or depression or, or whatever. And, and again, we have a couple of sermons on suicide. The Bible's not silent about suicide. I think there's five suicides in the Bible. Okay. Um, most people can only list one. Which G- is uh, Judas. Judas. Judas, right? Yeah. Um, but we have several others. We have an advisor for David. We have a sword bearer, uh, and we have Saul. The uh, Saul, the king, commits oh, yeah. suicide. Yeah. Samson commits suicide. Um, and so, in fact, you could argue that in one sense, again, don't hear me saying this, yeah. but I mean, Jesus moved everything to the cross. He did not quote commit suicide, but he put himself in a position to be killed, and guaranteed he would be. Um, I heard someone reference that Jesus was the first suicide by cop in a, in a weird, now that's, don't hear me saying that you're, myself. You're not saying that. But, you're just saying, but I yeah. understand why they would say that. Like he's the one who put himself in a position to be executed by the Jews and the Romans. Mm-hmm. But the words he said and the behaviors and his actions led that, because that was the plan for him to be crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone else Sam, referenced Samson as the first suicide bomber in that mm-hmm. I mean, he took his own life and in doing so killed thousands of his enemies we um, just like associate suicide with like one intent. With, right. Which is Judas's, which is obviously a sense of like, we assume hopelessness and despair. Mm-hmm. 
um, which may imply a weird version of of uh, repentance on Judas's part. We don't know his motives mm-hmm. for why he took his own life. We do have that played out against Peter, who who is also just as broken by his betrayal, but who doesn't take his own life. And so um, we see it of suicide prevention. There's a prison guard who's going to kill himself, um, but then two of Jesus's followers talk him out of it. Um, anyway, there's this. It's a pretty complex conversation in the Bible, um, but but I assume when a pastor commits suicide, it's just like everybody else that he gets to the place where he says, "I have two options: long, slow death, or short, quick death." Mm-hmm. Um, and and how many pastors who commit suicide have a secret they don't want to come out, or have been discovered in something, and and we don't know that, mm-hmm. and or they just they got a terminal something and no one is ever going to know. They, they commit suicide and now no one ever knows because of HIPAA that they had this terminal, whatever. Mm-hmm. The pressures, um, I looked up online. I thought this was right. I had just seen like last year that, that on a survey, one in 10 pastors has considered suicide in the last year. Wow. Uh, in 2021. So 10%. Although pastors don't, clergy does not represent the top 10. We're not in the top 10 for those who take their own lives. Um, in at least according to the, but still, uh, I mean, they're oh, that's considering the amount of clergymen yeah. and women yes. in mm-hmm. the United States. It's yeah, that's like, a lot. That's a lot. And, and what's wild is I don't, I don't, the numbers, I don't think are in this article. I was looking for a different one that says how many of them had considered quitting. Oh gosh. Um, so 40% age 25 to 40, they agree or strongly agree to feeling burned out. Pastors age 60 plus report feeling burned out um, at 20%. So the ones who make it to 60 have figured something out. Mm. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So anyway, there's all kinds of like, but it was some huge percentage of how many of them had within the last year had considered leaving their church. Um, And was this in 2020 specifically? In 2020 or or 2021. Interesting. And it was pretty high. And I even saw it like, it was something like, you know, 30%, 40%. I was like, ah, the other 60% are liars. <laughs> like it's a, I mean, if you're, if you're doing your job as a pastor, you've at least thought about it in the last year. Like, I wonder if I should like go do some other job than, than this. Cause there's, there's a lot of burdens involved yeah. in it. Yeah. And so if you're not setting up health for yourself now, mm-hmm. why? So that's, I think why a pastor could easily reach the place of saying, just stop the world and let me off. Mm. Um, now, it's not true, and if pastor, if there's a pastor listening and they're at that point, they need to reach out, and I will happily talk with them um, or review, and, and congregation members need to check on their pastors. We have several people here who regularly, in fact, just two weeks ago, apparently I was sighing more or, or breathing oh, deeply that, more why? or okay. something, doing that number, like during the sermon. <laughs> now, I think it's just because I'm on the heavier end of my normal weight right now. So, uh, you know, when you've got more in your gut, it makes you breathe more often. Yeah. Bryn, have you experienced yeah, that yeah, recently? Experienced. <laughs> do you ever my do that? lungs don't have much room. Well, I've been like taking videos of my kids lately and I'm on the heavier side of where I is, and I can hear myself breathing. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> but should we, I feel like we should just side note that I'm 
pregnant. Yes. Chris is not just commenting <laughs> yeah. on a random weight gain that I have because that seems insensitive. No, I would well, certainly and, never, and, never, never. And you're not never. early pregnant. That's right. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm full Brin eight months. Due, yeah. due very soon. Anyway. What's the I Regan, just, Brian you know. Regan? I don't guess at that ever, ever, <laughs> ever, 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 ever. <laughs> I didn't she's, memorize enough evers. She's uh, somewhere between four and nine months pregnant. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but the... You were sighing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so a guy came up and said like, hey, I noticed you're taking more deep breaths than normal in the sermon. Like, is everything okay? Like, wow. What's weird is uh, that week I actually could totally authentically say, no, I'm, I feel like things are really good. I don't, I don't feel any extra stress right now. Now, if he'd asked me this last Sunday, I'd just be like, boy, you have lunch? Because I got a lot to tell you. <laughs> um, but, but it's a, um, I just appreciated him coming and checking. I mean, yeah. don't hesitate to check on your pastors and, and staff members. I feel like people members. get too intimate. Like it's somehow taboo. Yeah. Like people think they shouldn't mm. check because it's like, oh, you're the pastor. You should be fine. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's like, it's um, just continuing the problem of That's right. assuming yeah. that pastors don't struggle with things that other people do. And so by not checking on them, you're assuming like everything in your life must be fine all the time. Yes. And you don't need me, a lay person to check. It's like, no, no, that's no, not it at all. The yeah. opposite. We, yeah. and, and it's a good, but I will, again, I can't speak for your pastor. Maybe your pastor will be offended by that. That yeah, doesn't mean, fair. now if they're offended by it, then they probably need it more, yeah. not less. But it's just been fascinating. We have so many former pastors who go to this church as well that I've had three or four of them come to me and say, hey, I've worked on church staff. If you ever need someone to talk to, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, it's just fascinating that they know this is a need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I mentioned, I mentioned getting the two over shepherds <laughs> uh, in our last podcast, I think, that realizing I went through a tough time and thought, oh, man, everyone who I could go to right now kind of depends on me. Mm-hmm. And if I go to them and go, hey, I'm falling apart, that's going to, I may have 70 points of stress. But when they hear I'm falling apart, that's going to be 90 points of stress for them Yeah, because they're powerless to fix it. And, and so realizing I needed a couple of people in my life who I could go to if I'm falling apart, that it's not, it's not a stressor for them if I'm falling. Like they're mm-hmm. not dependent on me in any way. And yeah. so um, it was just healthy. I have tons of friends and tons of people I could go to. But what if it was at the really at the worst mm-hmm. and realizing I probably need a couple of people I could go to and say, yeah, I'm kind of hanging on by my fingernails here. I don't, I, that doesn't feel like me. Yeah. Like I don't think I would ever get there, but maybe that's just pride. Right. And so I need to know that that's a possibility. Yeah. And also just to say that if a pastor does commit suicide, it doesn't mean that somehow it's the fault of the people who didn't check on him. That's like, a great point you know, too. That's right. And, and too, I think it's helpful or to note that in the sermons that, that you've preached on suicide, a lot of the struggle that comes with, I mean, suicide is such a difficult thing um, anyway, but especially if you're assuming that it is the unforgivable sin, which yes. you have addressed really well Clearly, in those sermons. Clearly, it is not the case. Um, but if you think it's the unforgivable sin and then think that God allowed your pastor to commit it, like that adds another layer That's of complication. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, definitely. If, you, if you're under the impression that suicide is somehow the unforgivable sin, then please go listen to one of those, at least two, I know two sermons we've done on that, um, because that is not, that is not biblically accurate. And we, and in those sermons, you come at it from a very biblical perspective. Yes. It's not just like, Hey, this is kind of what I think. No, a, no, yeah. no. It's, it's, I, I combine the, what I know as a psychologist with mm-hmm. what I know, um, as a student of the Bible, but 
but I, but especially since it's a sermon, right? It's it is anchored primarily in scriptural truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it's amazing how even just the question list all the suicides in the Bible, and it's amazing how many Christians can name one. Yeah. They know Judas, and they mm-hmm. don't realize. Wait a minute, we honor Samson for suicide. And so we always want to make things like mental illness issues or even suicide, a black and white clear issue. And it just isn't like, Mm -hmm. I think in one of them I talk about, so when a secret service agent steps in front of a bullet and gets shot, do you go, oh, he's so selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, because that's a lot of times what you'll hear when you're talking about suicide is, oh, they were just being selfish. Like, well, I mean, maybe humans are selfish. That selfishness could be a motivation for suicide. So can the ultimate self-sacrifice. Right. Mm-hmm. A Marine who jumps on a grenade, if you don't go, oh, he's so self You're yeah. like, oh, wow. That's- well, and to, to that point, I remember hearing a Marine talk about, and this guy, he was early in his career, but he had said like, oh, well, that's cowardice. Hmm. You're, not, you're not willing to, if, you know, somebody is committing suicide, it's because they're a coward. Right. And so, but it's like, okay, but if you... But if you jumped on a grenade right. in front of your friends, I wouldn't can I wouldn't consider that person no, a coward. No, that's not a coward. Yeah. You made exactly. a courageous decision, and apparently you made it long before this moment. Right. Yeah. Um, but but exactly, we want it to be black and white. Right. Yeah. We want it to be very simple, yeah, yeah. and it isn't. So with the mental illness issues, with the motivational issues, even just with the biblical issues, um, I don't think it's that easy. But what I will say is, I do think a barring an extraordinary thing like a grenade or you yeah. being trapped on the top of the World Trade Center and the feet, your you know, your shoes are starting to melt. Suicide isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, barring those ex- uh, super extreme examples, um, it's not necessary. And if you're out there and you're feeling that sense of hopelessness or despair, don't, don't let that stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't feel stigmatized. Um, you may be stigmatized in your family or in your circle, but you won't be here. We can at least help you find a community um, even if it's someplace else, we'll help you find a community that would not stigmatize someone who feels suicidal. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a normal part of my life as a therapist to talk to people who week to week to week feel suicidal. Mm-hmm. And I consider them super courageous that they push through and they fight it. And who knows what the spiritual significance of that is down the road? I mean, yeah. they're fighting some battle that most of us will never carry, at least not to the degree they do. And they're making a faithful decision week after week to trust God instead of what they want. Yeah. Man, that's huge. Yeah. So Man. super wow. proud to work with, with people who wrestle with yeah. that. So anyway, I mean, this, this question actually took a lot longer yeah. of a turn, but I'm really glad that we, uh, that we were able to address it. Thank you for whoever asked. This was an, yeah. an anonymous one. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll tackle some more. And I would say if this person's pastor committed suicide or yeah. their father or their friend or someone in the church, man, we are, brokenhearted with you. Mm -hmm. We have experienced that in this church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just to recognize that's super hard and our heart goes out to you. And if you need someone to talk to, feel free to let us know. We'll find someone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.